0: Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast. Now, when talking about the promotion race, the cliche goes, there'll be plenty of twists and turns yet in the season, and we're going through one of those twists, or one of those turns. Is a well, bad it's result? certainly, it's is, certainly a bad a result? Twist. is it a twist or a turn a bad result? How do we do that? A twist. A twist. Okay. Because yeah. you kind of like turn the
1: corner, don't you? Right. It's twist, mm. I would say, is a... Mm.
2: If there's a idea. turn, in it. This uh, it's kind of stating that would it's positive you've turned well. The no, corner. it's bad. I would say. No, you turned. say that you've turned the corner. That's a good yeah, thing, right? I don't
0: know. Right.
2: Well, you a turn the wrong direction.
0: Myself and Gareth are joined by Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo to talk about that mental game of football we saw the weekend. Yeah, it
1: was. Um, it was just incredible to watch two teams, kind of just make the same the same errors repeatedly um, and make very little attempt to. To alter what was what was going wrong, it was almost as if both teams just had the belief that they were going to score the most goals no matter how kind of um unhinged the game got and I think ultimately Sunderland were punished for that, having been given a, a lifeline they probably didn't deserve at half time, but kept trying to do the same things and, and ultimately were were punished for it and
0: an unbelievably costly result when you look at what happened elsewhere. Well when before we get on to that, when people have been asking for this, right? For us to go and outscore teams and Some say we, we've got the... No, but, but Jen, you know, the, the, that's a big opinion this season has been Sunderland have the players for it, have their attack on players for it. Um, go and outscore somebody. I think against Barnsley we, we took that approach a little bit, although the formation wasn't quite the same as it was at the weekend. Um, has Jack Ross been scarred, do you think, Phil, by his criticism for being negative at Wembley and letting Portsmouth back into that game? Uh, and ultimately losing that game on penalties because it's been a deserved criticism of the way he managed that game. Since then, it's almost like it's gone from one extreme to the other. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting
1: debate. I think the primary issue is that it's, at the moment it's very, very difficult to get Charlie White and Will Grigg into the same team without having that kind of system. Um, we saw, Do they
0: need to be in the same team?
1: Well, I would argue not, but I, I think that's probably why we've seen him go that way in the last couple of games because Charlie White's been playing so well. I'm not sure whether it's a, as much about him being scarred from the Portsmouth game but what I would say is I think we've probably had a bit of insight on Saturday afternoon into why he's set up the team in certain ways for most of the season and that's because you can get a summons defence and I think we've seen that time and time again which isn't a criticism of the centre-backs or the full-backs necessarily because you know Tom Flanagan's very rarely played at centre-back in his career before, Jack Bolden we all know's making a big step up, Luke O'9's not a right back and if you look at the teams in the top four or five the other teams are putting out the same back four every game. They're settled partnerships and they're consistent performers and Sunland haven't had that. So I wonder if the weekend maybe does just underline why Sunderland have perhaps been a little bit more pragmatic than people would have liked so it. If, if that's the a case and that's so obvious, why
0: didn't you change it then? I,
2: th- I think, um, you know. firstly, I think there's been a little bit of revisionism in the wake of um, you know the, the, the result of the weekend. I think you've touched on it there, Phil, and that we've played a certain way all season, probably protect those... Players, um, but that's got us, you know, in a good position. Um, and there's, I think, there's been a lot of like, you know, all of a sudden now we're rubbish at home. It's like, well, that's our first home defeat of the season. Oh, the defense is useless. Well, we had the third best defensive record in the league before the weekend. So, you know, it's just a little bit, I think, unfair to to look at it and and say, well, this is the way it's been and it's been coming. I don't think it is. I think the change in systems, the thing that that's, you know, caused it. I agree with Stephen in that I think the the Wembley thing has maybe got into his head a little bit and he's decided, right, well, you know, I'm going to have to be more expansive. Um, he's gone too far the other way. And it worked against Harry and Stanley, who were in shocking form. I know they were last time, but so, against Rochdale. We needed a last-minute winner to beat Rochdale. And then we drew 1-0 with Burton, and it, you could see the problems and then we just went into the game exactly the same way on Saturday. And, you know, we're three, three down in, or we've conceded three goals in 25 minutes and we'd only conceded three goals in the league once a season. I think, I, in I'd, su- so. I'd
0: suggest 4-4-2 could probably work away from home in this division quite a lot because you're you're going to a, a side who, in a lot of cases, will be playing a similar formation. Um, it's a very different challenge to then going at home, playing at the Stadium of Light, against a side that are probably going to be playing to hit you on the counter anyway, flood the midfield and try and hit you with counter and hit you with pace um, I think there are two very different things and I, you know playing away at Stanley. I think yeah, 4-4-2 I like the sound of that. 4-4-2 would hope Coventry a side who were playing away from well away from home. Um was that ever going to work?
1: I think it was a, a strange decision given that, okay, so the v- result against Burton wasn't the worst and yes, Sunderland could quite easily have won that game at Charlie White taking his chance. But the warning signs were definitely there in the way that Burton's wingers found so much space on their counter-attack. So given the Coventry's personnel and the pace they had, it was a little bit of a surprise to go that way. But I think it's it's an interesting one because you know you mentioned there about the formation. It's it's actually not a formation you see at all. In, even yeah. in this league, you see the diamond a lot. You see people play with two strikers, but it's almost always with a... With the, with the diamond, so it, it it's been a really interesting one, and and I don't think it's it, it's worked really because it puts a lot of emphasis on your defenders to get it right when they bring it out and mm. play it out from the back, and at the moment that that part of the system is just not functioning.
2: And also, it's uh, as we said this you know before. We come on, but four four two's a it's a familiar system to us in. Is a spectator oh, educated, a generation, uh, I mean. generation. So you people know, are thirty plus. Yeah, yeah. well, you'll know four four two was the default setting, on, and t- then you had a little spell of the sweep, didn't you, in the early nineties? But four four two was generally the the formation, and so people. I think people sometimes cry for it because it's you know it's familiar. Now, I know people are probably shouting at this going, "It's not you know, it's not the system, it's the players, or whatever." That's fine. And, it, you know, it's not just the system and the formation, but a lot of those players there won't be playing in 4-4-2s, four, four, like in the career, very rarely. Like, these look going nine for, for example, has not being playing right back. You know, Oviedo's been playing, you know, Premier League football where everybody plays four five one. Um, You know, the two centre-backs, you know, they used to play with, you know, two midfielders in front or the two midfielders who were... The the two playing in Ledbetter and Power, the right midfielders for a four four two because he haven't you haven't got the legs to play in a four four two. Honeyman's playing on 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 the wing, um, but uh, you know not really played in a four four two for Sunderland since he's come in. Um, it's just Will Gregg when we spoke to him, he said he didn't play in a four four two in his whole career. So it's just it, it's an un- it's it's familiar to us in memory, but it's not familiar to players who are playing week in week out because they're used to playing in. Conservative systems that came in sort of probably around two thousand six, two thousand and seven I would say is when the real transition went to to one up front. Although people have been doing it before, but that was I felt as though that in the top level especially, that's when it kinda of went, didn't it, to the one up? When we got promoted under Keane and that was around that time, I think. But it's a long time that, I mean, Max Power would have been for what, fourteen years old, thirteen years old or something probably when um <laughs> When he uh, when we went up in that in that era, and you know that's a long time, so it, I just think it it looks absolutely vile when it goes wrong. And it, <clears throat> I mean, you could have parked, you know, all the buses that went to Wembley the week in the middle of the pitch, like it was unbelievable.
0: If he's going to try and play two up front, Phil, the obvious solution to that appears on the face of it to be three at the back. Because then you're still getting getting people in the middle of the park, you're getting five, so you're getting your three centre midfielders. Our full-backs are probably more equipped to be wing-backs than full-backs anyway. And then you're getting two strikers on the pitch. We've got two centre-halves in uh, Tom Flanagan and Jack Baldwin who are not playing very well at all at the moment. Um, Full of errors. Lack of confidence, Clearly. And then bringing a the third centre-half in would we'll probably shawl that up a little bit.
1: It's an interesting debate because I think if you asked, I mean it's skewed a little bit at the moment because of course Aidan McGeady's missed a lot of football. But I think if you to ask Jack Ross where he felt his side was strongest, I think he would tell you it was in his, his wingers and getting full-backs one-on-one. And I know that was a big reason from going to 4-4-2 after the Wembley final was because both Accrington and Rochdale played 3-5-2. And I think, well, I know that Ross felt that, that playing against that system is something that really suits Sunderland when they set up and that's why he set up four four two because he gambled that the space for McGeady, Gooch, Morgan, whoever, would be really easy to attack and create a lot of opportunities. And, of course, that proved to be true. It didn't really work when you then went to Burton and Coventry who had played with wingers and really threatened wingers on the counter-attack. So I think the logic initially in bringing in four four two made made a lot of sense, but it didn't quite work for these home games. It's an interesting one going to a back three because then... You know all this sit back, Jack, and all that. that has been this season. What's the perception going to be if but, he then shows it up with another centre half? Think, and what do you then <clears> do with McGee? Do you play him in field? Is a number ten? You or? play him as a ten.
2: But the the, the thing is, it and I've I've said this before about three five two. The perception that it's a negative. This whole, whole thing about negativity. Oh, he's negative. This is negative. Negative is losing games. That's negative. It's not about what happens in the game. It's the outcome, and. You know, if you're setting up your team in a way that basically sabotages the opportunity of result, that's not going for it, as people say. When you, well, you went for it, well you haven't gone for it, you've 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 created a situation which you are more likely to lose. That's not going for it. That's the complete opposite of going for it. You know, you, the ultimate thing is a result, and if you set a team up in a way that's going to disadvantage you to getting that result, the the win, then it's it's a negative option because. You know, it, it, it's all very well. You know, perceptions of you know. Let's have you know. And we've seen in the last few games what happens when you play four four two. When you get you get into this um, sort of hole where the logical thing to do would have been half time on Saturday is to take Will Grigg off um, and reinforce the midfield, so or, there's a question or why go with the three. But what happens is then you start you chasing the game. It's like you are chasing the game that like you you're still in. And then you've got to start piling strikers on, playing them out of position, wide areas. You know, Sterling's on the right. You know, Yorkers come on and all that. And it's just all a bit, you know, it's just rolling the dice. There's no logic to, to the approach. I,
0: I would have expected a change at half time. So again, what looks like, it looks like it's getting away from Sunderland and, you would say that the way the side have set up is the main factor behind that. And then by hook or by crook, they get themselves level at half-time. Were you surprised Filler came out? And he didn't... Because that would yeah. be the time, wouldn't it, to say, right, yeah. okay, n- a new game. This is a, a clean slate. We're playing a half of football now. I'm going to have to change things up, make us... Give some protection to the back, too, because I think Flanagan and Baldwin, We it's justified to criticise them, and we'll do that. But first and foremost, if they get no protection at all, you can't see where the Coventry aren't going to score again.
1: No, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I was very surprised when, when there wasn't a change at half-time, because it seemed a logical thing to do, I suppose. The other side of that is that you only had one central midfielder on the bench, and of course that was, was Lee Catmull, He presumably wasn't fit, because but, all logic would
0: dita- dictate he could would come on.
2: He could, go, he could bring Dun on yeah, or yeah, and go to three and, the and with a grig, and then go to a three. Or, or nine could
0: push up in the midfield, oh, yeah.
2: and, and shuffle the full-backs around.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I was, I, I, I was genuinely surprised that he didn't change it because it all. It almost felt as if now we've got back to three-three. We'll just keep plodding on because we've scored three goals mm. and we'll back ourselves to outscore them. Which, you know, cl- clearly it was the wrong decision. But I've, I, you know, I felt all season that Sunderland have lacked maybe two things, particularly the way they try to play and the way they set up, and that's I think the centre halves have been very inconsistent. And I also think they've lacked a, a consistent number ten. Really, when Chris maguire is being very good, which he has been in patches. Sunderland have been an awful lot better side than without him, and I think at the weekend that would have been the perfect situation yeah. if you could have had that number ten, who's very intelligent, and he knows which moments in the game to drop in and which moments of the game to stretch it. I think that was a that was a big miss, and if if I could change one thing right now for this Sunderland team, it would be to get Maguire fit yeah. in in the side because I think he just changes that in the dynamic completely. Well, he should
2: be involved this weekend. The, the, from what they've said, I guess. I mean, but I not going to change.
0: He's not, not going to go from... It's going to be on the benches. But it's it? okay if you've yeah. got
2: McGeady coming back, and if, if he's fit, he can come into the team. <clears throat> and then you've got Maguire to come on. So it doesn't look so bad. You don't have to force him straight back in, and then you can have a look and freshen it up at Peterborough if you want. But I think the, bo- the bottom line is he has to go back to the... To, he has to reinforce midfield, no matter if it means dropping a striker and going back to the one-up, or playing a 4-3-3, three, three, if you want to call it that, or... Going to the three-five-two, which I think, as I've said before, the most aggressive formation you can play because you've got you've got five attackers on the pitch. Um, you know, in your wing backs of attacking players. Obviously, those attack attacking player. Or it's, nine whether he, attacking it's whether he player. thinks
0: you know we're at the business end of the season now, and it's whether he thinks he's got enough time to work on on entirely new things.
2: But he changed. He changed. It. The players are probably more familiar with a three than they are with a four-four-two. I mean it's but they've, pl- they've 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 just started playing four four, two randomly, so why like, if it's not working, don't just you know belligerently continue because if we do that, we're not gonna go up you don't think there's been pressure from i
0: know we Gareths suggesting that to a certain generation who were like uh, asking for this four four two and stuff and as you have just mentioned there again, it's accurate and it'll work perfectly it's not we're not suggesting you should never ever play it. You don't think that um, the expectation and, and what the fans want <coughs> has maybe started well, making Jack question himself a no, little bit? Well, it's an
1: interesting debate, actually, because one of the things he's he, he's spoken of a lot is is talking about how his f- kind of philosophy has maybe changed a little bit to leave behind a, a Sunland squad rather than a Jack Ross squad, if you like. And it's interesting because I always took the inference from that that it was about, you know, kind of the... The graft or whatever, or, you know, the four four two in the read here and it's always been something that I've heard a lot of managers and players say that as long as you graft up here, you'll be all right. And I've never really agreed with it because I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's true at all. And I think there's a lot of examples of that. So if, if if that has if that has affected his thinking, then I think that's an error. I think I'm not convinced it's the case. And like I say, I, I think I think injuries have caused him a real headache. And Jack would be the first to say that he likes. Nothing more than solving the problem. In the last two home games, he hasn't been able to do that, and I'm sure that'll sting. But I do feel like the um, the lack of options he's had in centre midfield and, and that lack of a number ten is is maybe causing him a bit of a headache in setting the team up. And it's one that so far he hasn't quite been able to crack.
0: Is he going to enjoy the fact he's got two games coming up on that? Like in in quick succession, I you think, could do, you could do it with a week off, couldn't you? Like we have got for a change. We're not yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the the lack of a
1: midweek game will be will be very good, but at the same time. Especially at a club like this in a pressurised time of the season, the last thing you want is too long to stew on a defeat and and let it fester. So I think it's a good time, good time to get back at it on Friday.
0: Well, we're going to talk about what's happening going forward, but we are going to stew on the defeat ourselves a little bit first, more because I want. Um, so some some of our listeners won't have, have seen the game at all, and you know it's 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 not a usual scoreline, under four, Coventry five. You know it's not often a, a result like that happens. So talk us through the. Um, the story of the game almost, Gareth, from your point of view as a fan and what what wasn't working and what were you thinking at, at each point when the score was changing like it was?
2: Well, it was just abundantly clear that, you know, it was a continuation of what we'd seen against Burton and, um, you know, you go, you you 3-1 down in the space of 25 minutes. Um, obviously, we've got the equaliser straight after, so again, you've got that great, we're back in the game Let's sort it out, but it was just far too easy for, um, you know, the to be, we just cut open. When the centre backs had the ball, they had a problem. So when when they were receiving the ball now, they're getting pelters for going along. But you haven't really got much option. The midfielders were too deep, and people said that. Take that point. Um, but again, I think that goes back to the issue where those two midfielders probably aren't used to playing in that system. Um, and they probably feel a little bit. They probably see Flanagan Baldwin every day, and they've played with them at you know all season. That they, they know they're vulnerable, so there's probably a tendency to to sit in and protect. But the problem then is we haven't got an out ball, and a number of times we just kind of put it into the central area of the pitch, and the ball was coming back, and then they were away. The three forwards causing bother. You know, the, the second and third goal had an element of offside, but when I watch them back. There's somebody too deep, and I don't know who it was on both occasions, but there's someone too deep. I think or nine. I think they decided that they were just going to target him and they were putting the ball, putting balls over the top into his space, um, and the lad was too powerful for him and he was struggling. a Bit unlucky with the goal because it obviously kind of looked a bit of an own goal. Really watching it back, it deflected off and kind of looped over the keeper. Um, but you know, we finally benefit from League One goalkeeping from you know the second, didn't we? I mean. I mean, that,
1: that really came from nowhere, to yeah. be fair, and it just goes back to what we were saying about the decision maybe not to change things at half-time, because I'm not convinced 3-3 was a particularly fair reflection of no. what we'd seen at the first half. I think Coventry could easily have gone and made
2: it Well, they had a chance one. at um, 3-1 to make it 4, didn't they? They just put past the post. Um, but, yeah, I mean, nice goal. The... the um bit of a throwback funnily enough wasn't it the the third with the head it was like a quinn and phillips he head you had why headed it down at he took it well didn't and, he? and i mean that's
1: the other side of it as well and ultimately
2: you've lost the game
1: and i don't think anyone would say that someone got the approach right but you know they, they did look really threatening at times in the final third and it's just about just about finding that balance and it i mean moving things on a little bit but it leaves a big question for the weekend because if you know we're talking about changing systems and stuff and, and you would look at the center forwards and you know on his current form would you would you persist with greg or would you would you play white and get someone off him i think it's a big uh, big debate coming I mean, up
2: Griggs i think you know he's done pretty well a general player considering until recently where he just looks like he doesn't know what he needs to do i don't think he knows what he does off the ball in that 442 he kind of chases back but he's like well i don't know where I'm supposed to be here, and he he looks knackered as well. I think he's got obviously got an ankle problem he, still. I,
0: I did notice against Burton. We we were commenting on that watching the game that the runs he was making were, were that of somebody who played up front by himself. Yeah. And now when you are play into up front, Wyke's getting the ball, and he's controlling the ball. Griggs has got to go to him. Yeah, he's got to go right as close to White as he can get. And as you say, if that one of the goals wasn't it, it was a little flick on, well, Hope, it was. He just headed that, the back across,
2: and he got it down yeah. and stabbed it in. So
0: hopefully that might be a little, you know. Um, Sort of hint as to what he might do. I'm not going to tell Will Grigg what runs to make. Cause he's a professional goalscorer, he's got a lot of goals in his career. Um, but, you know, generally, if we're talking about a throwback um, from a, a as a throwback to the 4 4 2 I used to be, that's how you'll play as a front 2 because a big man will control it and the other one will get as close to him as possible, ready for the little flick ons. But, um, Before we look at uh, the next few games and what we might we, we we think we might need to do going forward if we're still confident enough. Um the centre half situation, Phil, how big of a worry is this? Because I, I was talking again to to, to my neighbour actually when I always talk about football, um and he was saying first half how it was almost like you were you were defending them away by saying they're not getting any protection and then the second half they just start kicking the ball out of touch and they start and just they're just not not in a good place at all it seems.
1: No, and I think it's um you know, again I'm repeating myself. I said it earlier on this show and I think I said it the last time I was on as well. I I think it's the area where the other pro- promotion teams have a have a big advantage. I think there's a a combination of factors. I think I think Jack Bolden to me seems very much like a confidence player. And I think mistakes seem to to hang very heavy on his shoulders. He doesn't seem to be someone who just kind of puts it puts it to one side and and cracks on. And Tom Flanagan just looks mentally and physically just I think, to be fair, we've talked a lot about the centre-halves and for most of the season, Flanagan's kind of got through it. Mm. He hasn't always looked like the most convincing League One defender. He hasn't always looked like someone you could think, oh, I could go and see him playing at a higher level. But he's, he's not made many mistakes and he's kind of muddled through it and done pretty well. I think at the moment he looks very, 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 very tired. But it's a big decision because... You know, I've seen comments since Saturday saying you've got to get Jimmy Dunn back, which is okay. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, but he's had some very ropey games as well. I certainly don't think he's someone who would come in and add a huge amount of composure on the ball, which I think we all Mm. agree was one of the main issues the other night. And then Ali Ali Mostert and Glenn Levins are just nowhere near near match fit, really. They can't be, because they haven't played for so long. So I have no idea what you do.
0: There must be the only reason with them, because there's two people on the fringes and and I think you're right and Tom Flanagan has kind of just got through it. but Jack Baldwin in particular help who he's been for some time now if you're a centre-half in the squad and you're not getting a look in you're going to be
2: asking yourself well,
0: questions the manager questions
2: he was brought <clears throat> he had a bad spell didn't he he had that um, really bad game against Ackrington didn't he and then he he went missing for a few games I think he was dropped from the squad wasn't he entirely mm-hmm. for one and then he's come back and he did okay and he's kept his place ahead of Dunn because he kept his place for the the final, didn't he? And that was a big kind of tone point before that. But you know, you have to change. You have to change it um, now. Um, I think Leuven is a funny one. I mean, we obviously haven't seen him since December, and I don't think we will again this season. Um, Osterk did all right in the check and trade run. I thought, to be fair, I thought he was all right psychologically. Does it doesn't send a very good message if you change both your centre backs? Of course, it doesn't. So I think you've probably just got to say, well. Baldwin, Flanagan and Dunn at a three and, and they rotate or you play them all together um, in, in a 3-5-2. In That's possibly
0: not a nice question to ask or one that doesn't reflect very well on Sunderland fans and their fan base. But are Flanagan and Jack Baldwin in particular close to being a target from the Sunderland fans? Are they one more... Massive mistake well, away they, from that. The
2: Sunderland fans are a target for Baldwin and Flanders, aren't they? Because yeah. they've lumped it out of play and it <laughs> hits them in the head.
1: And I saw Turner and Kilgallen do that in the Premier League years, so maybe it's some kind of Sunderland <laughs> issue with the centre-halves the But I think it's... It. Like I say, going back to what I said before, I think I think most people would recognise that Flanagan's done okay for most of the season in a fairly unfamiliar role. But I think... Look, you you can't kid Sunderland fans and at the moment they are massively feel panicked on the ball. Everyone can see that. Their confidence is low. And it's going to be very difficult because Doncaster are one of the best pressing teams in the league. Um, John Marcus, I think he's gone a bit off the boil since January, but he leads on the front very well. So in many ways, Doncaster are not really an opponent you want to be facing with. With your centre halves confident because they are you know, you know they're gonna come and they're gonna play on that and they're gonna try and they're gonna let the centre halves have the ball and they're gonna wait and see if they slip up and play into dangerous areas. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how something go. And the three three at the back debate's an interesting one because you know, if we're saying that centre back's the weakness and the distribution, you know, is adding another one in there gonna to, gonna to solve that issue. It's well, it's an interesting, you know what it
2: might because at the start of the season, um you know, Baldwin looked Baldwin look like a Rolls Royce, didn't he? He used to stride out and he'd carry the ball. He did, he did it at Barnsley, and yeah. that wasn't
1: so long ago. I realised he's dipped back again yeah. quickly, but honestly, that, that night at Oakwell, in what were absolutely awful conditions to defend, he was absolutely superb. He didn't make a mistake, didn't give the ball away, didn't play any aimless balls. Um, and that's, I think that's the frustrating thing with Baldwin. I think with Flanagan, we can all see that He's not a natural centre half, and he's doing his best to get through because that's what the team needs. With with Baldwin, you know he's got it in him. You know, actually, there's a a hugely talented defender there. It's just whether, for whatever reason, whether it be physically or mentally, it's getting those consistent performances out of him that they just haven't been able to do this season.
2: But maybe if you had the three in there, it would would give the, you know, like Baldwin or Flanagan, the confidence knowing that they could bring the ball out, and, and. rather than thinking I need to clear it or I need to knock it long into, into space or try and hit Wike or whatever they're trying to do because that was often the, the source of the start of Coventry's attacks and we conceded a few goals from, from giving the ball away in those situations. So maybe if the fielders of have got little, that little bit of licence to carry the ball out and then handed off further up the pitch rather than having the two centre midfielders dipping back in to try and pick the ball up yeah. off them. Maybe maybe that'll it's, get us up the pitch quicker. It's all
1: it's all I guess it's all about opinions, isn't it? My you know, my solution would, would not be to put done in out it would maybe to replace him but certainly not as a three. I think you'd want for me I, I want to get back to what you had earlier in the season where you had two centre midfielders and lead bitter feels able to just sit as deep as he wants and just constantly go mm. at the centre half, take it off them play an easy pass, rotate, make sure that they don't play passes into dangerous areas. That would be my solution because I think some of the best football Sunderland have played has been when you had Ledbetter and Catmull together and going into a, a pressurised game that had 100% mm. be, the way, be the way I go. Yeah. But again, it's out injuries and you know we, it's, it, it's okay to discuss the formations because you could have done things differently and that's fine, but the injuries have been a, a big problem in the last week or so and there could be again at the weekend. I mean,
2: yeah. the, the pressure is going to be higher as well because we're playing last... Whereas last week we're sitting, you know, at the Roker End Cafe, kind of with our feet up. It's and, been you know, a long time, hasn't I it? it's uh, a week. And thinking, great, we're pointing ahead. We've got take four points this week. We'll be absolutely flying. You know, if someone drops point on that Friday, we've got the Friday night get even further away. Now we're looking at it going well. We could be fifth. And that one win would have made a difference because
0: one win, and we'd, yeah. be, we'd be sitting. Four points behind Luton with a game in hand, and everyone will be talking yeah. about winning the league again. Yeah. Suddenly, now as well, and it's That's
2: it. typical. You want Luton to lose every week, in the yeah. week where you go, you know, we're not going to win the league. You just beat Charlton, mm. and we don't have to worry about that, and they're going to lose. <laughs> so, Because, of
0: course, Charlton only one point behind Sunderland now, so
2: it's really. Well, that's say it. I'm saying we could be fifth at the start mm. before we kick a ball on, on Second, Friday. Second, third,
0: fourth and fifth is ridiculous now. And it's not even really as clean-cut as saying. Well, it's still in Sunderland's hands where if they win all the games, they'll get promoted. Because if they win all the games, they'll definitely finish above Barnsley. But Portsmouth are now neck and neck with Sunderland points and games played, right? Yeah, but we've still got to play them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, well, of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if we win all of our games, yeah. we will go up, right? Yeah. But, it's, I don't know I we're, don't gonna, think, we're, we're not going to win five I games I don't think you can look no. at the last two games and say no. oh well we'll just win five positively absolutely let me put on record I'm not saying that some <laughs> of them are going to win their next five games
2: positively you know Portsmouth have got Burton and um <clears throat> Burton and Coventry uh, next I believe so you know we've seen that what they could do um Burton won again the weekend didn't they yeah flying yeah they are yeah, they've won four uh, I think they won four, four or five, five I yeah. think yeah um
0: and then Drew Wilson, us
2: in the yeah. other one mm. so yeah it's you, you look at that and you're hoping that um, you know Burton can do us a bit of a favour um, on, on Saturday on Friday even before we start but even you know even if they, if they drop any points like a draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world at this stage um, for the <laughs> other teams you, you know you'd take definitely it definitely not I'm mean, Barnsley you got Shrewsbury I think so <clears throat> well I'm not sure what i got on Monday um, but they've, they've been quite poor and just seem to have pulled Shows it around a little at home bit.
0: on Friday. Um, you can't see many problems with that for Barnsley. Yeah. They've got a Plymouth on Monday. It's a bit of a harder game for them, isn't it?
2: Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you just
0: have they've to got to Blackpool at home still, it's Barnsley. It's a tough game. And they've got Bristol Rovers away at last. No, not, so they've it's got, got the four easiest, games. not the easiest. So the, the second, yeah, Plymouth, Blackpool, Bristol Rovers isn't that easy. No. You would expect them to come through Shrewsbury.
2: Well I think you know, if we get ninety points You know, maybe you just t- you hope you just try and get ninety points and hope that others slip up, but I think there's two. You know, I think Charlton can get ninety one, Barnsley can get ninety four, I believe. Ninety four right? Barnsley and we and, get ninety five. And, 95. and P- Portsmouth can get ninety five. Yep. So really I think night if you got ninety two, so we'd need to win four five and avoid avoid defeat to, to portsmouth i think um you know even if we win three and draw two and one of is a portsmouth game that might be enough
0: charlton go to oxford on friday no. um they're playing at one o'clock so early kickoff then they're at home to scunthorpe you can't see many problems no. with that one and they are away at gillingham and mm. then at
2: home to rochdale i think they're
0: going to be the ones who just sneak yeah. through the back door here, aren't they, Charlton?
2: I mean, if they, if they do, he's done an amazing job, boy, hasn't he? I mean, with the situation that's going on there.
1: I think I think he's the manager of the season um, in League One. Anyway, I, I have absolutely no idea how Daniel Stendhal managed to win that, but I think what they've done is a, what he's done is unbelievable. and I just think if you, they obviously have a very thin squad, but they've just got so much pace, so much power. I think Lyle Taylor's the best player in the division for me and you definitely look at those fixtures and they just seem to have the team with the momentum um, we are also getting to the stage of the season where it, it, you just kind of give in to the, the panic and the negativity and Lee Boy is the next Cruyff and Jamal Law's you know the next Messi and all of that and you just can't can't see your way out of it but
0: Portsmouth have momentum
2: as well mind they've got, they? th- they've got three tough games when
0: they've got so the, they've got, Burton, they've got on Friday, then Coventry at home then also where, so that is difficult. But then Peterborough home last season, so possibly the hardest on running on paper. But they have momentum, you know. Mm. People had seem to be disregarding that, but they haven't lost in a while. They're
2: winning most weeks. yeah, yeah they've gone on a good run after that That terrible two months, haven't they? Um, so that I think they had an eight-point advantage or something like that at Christmas, didn't? They? At the top and have you know dropped. But I mean, things can change very quickly. If we, win it's, it's on, if we win on Friday... <laughs>
0: yeah, you've just got a bit, this horrible you know what, feeling that... If like, I think
2: if we win on Friday, I think it's a good thing that we're away from home on Monday. The thing,
0: also, though, there's the, there's the thing of like, right, it's going to go the wire where you, you've just mentioned, you know, there's four teams involved now. So Barnsley, Sunderland, Portsmouth, Charlton, who are probably all eyeing up that second spot now. And it's not only going to um, make a difference who gets in second and who goes up automatically, but it's going to make a difference on who plays each other in the playoffs. With the three sides, the it, you've got that to worry about as well. Because, because if you do, you can't get second now, you absolutely want third. Because you don't want Charlton or Portsmouth over two legs. You um, would much you would much rather out. I'm, I'm out for the playoffs. I'm
1: I'm
2: booking some holiday. <laughs> I have a holiday. I'm going away. I'm going to miss the second leg if it would get the sixteenth and seventeenth. I'm. In Spain, so nah, I'm out for the playoffs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fancy it. No, <laughs> I know, it's, it's so like it's so weird to think like some. I think of the playoffs. sometimes I just think, oh, just don't. Let's just not do it, and we'll just have another That's season in League yeah. One because I can't handle the.
1: Do yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, obviously the dates for the, for the playoff <clears throat> semis and the final were confirmed today, and I tweeted them out, and I had just so many people just applying, going, oh my god, when you actually see the dates it actually dawns on you that we could have to do the playoffs. I, I think some, sometimes you feel like you maybe you'd rather just take seventh and just have another crack yeah. at it and next year. It, it, and it even, worse, even worse,
0: because I, I would back us to get a Wembley so much. I think the home advantage thing, I think the fans would really rise to it and, and Sunderland don't win a Wembley, so <laughs> that would make it even worse. You
2: know, ninth time lucky, maybe. Eight <laughs> in a rubber blast, so...
0: Do you think there's going to be the appetite for people to go down? It doesn't seem like it when you well, speak to people. Say that, but. You
2: can, you, can just, you
1: can just say, now they're going to get Charlton in the playoff <coughs> final and we're just going to have three weeks of reading Mickey Gray retrospectives there was, there and donker and it's was, just going to be like, oh no. There
0: was somebody on Twitter, who I, I think I follow him or he follows the account or something, and I remember at the beginning of the season when he said, and he put a screenshot of a bet he'd put on that Sunderland would play Charlton at Wembley in the playoff final, and this was before the Charlton first home game. So if you're listening, get in touch because that would be good. Because I've I'm, I'm, said they were going. To, I'm sure he. I'm sure he posted a screenshot, and he asked what the odds were of Sunderland, Charlton meeting in the playoff final. But he's feeling quite quietly confident. now Well,
2: what'll happen is we'll not get them, and then we'll lose in the playoff final. So he'll be devastated. Mm. That's what usually happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does, doesn't it? That's what happens. This is Sunderland. This Can is Sunderland pull it back Can they turn it back
0: round? One win see. would change everything. We, we've We've said. A week ago, we were sitting with Martin McFadden in the Royal Grand Calf and we were on top of the world and we're saying, there's no way we're going to blow this now because four points from this, these two games and we're going to be difficult to catch. Suddenly we lose one game, it's like the sky's falling.
1: Yeah, and, and and like we were alluding to before when we chatted about formations and stuff, and of course it's a big debate, but it, it, if we go on Good Friday, and maybe they will, maybe they won't, but Catamal and McGeady are in the team and Maguire's on the bench. The complexion of that team completely changes. The experience, the quality... And the mood's going to completely change. And if you go and win that game and suddenly you've got these players come back to fitness, the, the picture completely changes. It completely changes. You know, it, it's easy to forget that, you know, you look at these last two games, you go going to win the game and you're attacking options to bring off the bench at Sterling and Kim And I think they've both got something, but they're nowhere near yet at the moment where what you need in that kind of situation. And it'll make a huge difference if you can bring a, a Maguire mm. or somebody like that back into the fold. So it, it can change very, very, very quickly.
2: I mean, just. All the stars might align, and you know, s- somehow the those teams contrive to lose before us, and, and you know, and, and we could And then we're going, Oh, we've beat Donkast, so we're back in there, and, and we're we back did, in and, there. You and, and,
1: and, and you're always guilty of this when it's your own team or the team you follow, or whatever. You especially when you've had a, a couple of tough years or whatever, you always talk your team down, and the other teams become Barcelona, yeah. Real Madrid. And you know, these teams were level with points on Portsmouth, you can go past Barnsley with if you win your game in hand. So... You know they've got issues as well. You know they have flaws in their team, and it can sometimes, when you get into that pressure and the, and almost the fear of of not going up, you can be guilty of kind of losing perspective of that. I think so. You know this is Charlton. Charlton worry me because I think they do look in a seriously good, seriously good place with the fixtures they've got. But you look at Barnsley, Luton, and Portsmouth form. They've all had moments where they've slipped up. But
2: again, so with if, with Port with the uh, Charlton, we know if we win four out five games, they can't get above us. So. You know, they, they don't. They can only get 91 points. Winning
0: 4 of 5 seems very optimistic at the no, moment, but, doesn't it? But if but you don't beat be Doncaster, it doesn't, does yeah, it? Even, you know, if you get that yeah, one. Yeah, even, I mean. even when we were talking last week and we were on top of the world and we were super confident and really hyper-confident, um, I think we did each say there that probably out of the seven games we had at that point, we would lose one. I think we all thought that. So hopefully this is just it yeah. and it's gone I mean, and it's a, been chalked up. Yeah. Because Coventry was Lots always the one early. that I was worried about as well. I did, I thought we would get four points last week, and I thought we would beat Burton and draw with Coventry. You Norm, know, I did think Coventry was a bit of a.
2: I'm just a frustrated because I think if we would just set up the way we've set up almost well, the season, we would have, we probably would have got potentially got four points in those games. I know it's like hindsight, and what about Reen? You, you don't know what could have happened, but I, I do believe with the with, the, with that system. At home, we control the game so well um, that you know we we wouldn't have been hit so heavily on the break and in the games we played, and which is why we we conceded every goal on the break. Didn't we, really all those, you know? Yeah, well, three three of them. suddenly start with the ball, so it's very frustrating. But anyway, have to be just have to be Doncaster. And hope you know that if Barnsley win, portsmouth and Charlton win, and, and you know that it is going to be talk about people getting frustrated and getting worried and the tension and people you know grumbling after fifteen minutes when a ball goes out of play that will happen. And, and I would I would say another thing, a bit of revisionism about mental strength in the team. Um, I was listening to the. Um, Total sport on the way back from the match uh, at the weekend and I couldn't believe what I was hearing where people were like questioning the mental ha- mental strength of the players because we've come from behind. We've won more points come from behind in in, in the entire football league. Even
0: Saturday gone, you three one yeah. down and you managed to yeah. get back to the four. It's not
2: it's it's not. And I think it's really that oh, I think it's fair enough to criticise the mistakes and and things that people have done in the game, but I don't think it's fair to criticise that group's mental strength because they've shown all season that they've got, um, you know that desire to overturn and, and the desire to change the game back in their favour if if they can do it. And, and they, sometimes it's not pretty, but they do it, and they they have done it. Um, so I think it's just careful. But like I feel, old Jack Ross has maybe thrown the baby out with the bathwater a little bit with his change. It's important that we don't do the same as supporters. I think And I'm not gonna, you know, do rallying cries and tell supporters <laughs> on, what a, they should do a, think and what get they big should Big massive rallying cry, Gareth. Just you know, I just think it's it's not fair to to start rewriting history, like you were saying, Phil you tend to like downplay your team and big everybody else's up you know I watched Barnsley the last few times they've been on television they've been atrocious and I thought like, if we played like that I wouldn't like to see the state of Twitter like after we'd played like that, day, me there'd be people calling for Stuart Donald to go if we'd, we'd been playing the level that they've been playing Um so yeah the grass isn't always greener and it wasn't last Monday so we've got to hope when we get together another
0: twist and turn you know, if mm. you know, hey, we'll favour this time. When Frankie's
2: doing the preview for Portsmouth, you know, we've got to hope he's saying well, we're second, and it's ours to hang on to. We can't throw it away,
1: mm.
2: and that that's what we have got, got to do. We're capable of winning. We're capable of winning the next two games. We're capable of winning them. We just have to go and do it. We have indeed.
0: Thanks for listening. <laughs>